2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. My name is Mark Ellis, on location from Seattle, Washington. This is where a member of my family lives, and so I'm here hanging out for the week. And if you're watching this on any of our streaming services that we partner with, you'll see in the background a painting that my grandpa did. That is the Jersey Devil. Jacqueline Coley, my esteemed co-host, you're looking at the Jersey Devil. How cool is that?
3: I just like the fact that we're looking at like Mark Ellis's entire lineage in the background. I see kids pictures like this. is This is taking a peek <laughs> behind the curtain, ladies and gentlemen, deep into his subconscious. This is Uncle Mark in his finest.
2: Yeah, well, it's sort of like what my life could have been if I pursued a different (laughs) path. And so I'm very happy pursuing the path that I did pursue because it led me up to Seattle also to do stand-up. So thank you to everybody that came to see me at El Corazon. And that actually ties in with the movie we're talking about today because after the show, did a big show. By the way, that venue, first time Pearl Jam ever set foot on stage was at that venue. And then years later... This idiot. So then we did the meet and greet (laughs) afterwards and there's a bar set up and Jacqueline, I'm telling you, I should have taken a picture. The bar looked exactly like the bar in Suicide Squad where they're all sitting around, regrouping, getting ready for that third act that uh, maybe I'm not the biggest fan of. But hey, that's what we're talking about today. The Oscar winning film, Suicide Squad, directed by David Ayer, starring a host of great actors and also... One uh, lizard, crocodile, alligator person. The movie came out in 2016. 26% rotten on the tomato meter. 26%. The audience score almost got to fresh territory, tapping out at 59%. So just one more percent. Just one more audience. Score, it could have gotten to fresh, but it is a rotten movie, according to the tomato meter. And so, we're obviously excited about James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, which is coming out, I believe, tomorrow, is when that movie comes out in theater. So, a whole lot of excitement in the world of comic book movies right now. But, Jacqueline Coley, we have a very special guest today, and she is not only one of the founding members of the world, Girls. She not only does a daily show that she started in the pandemic and she literally shows up every day to do Live at the Roxy. And speaking of movies, she has a really cool film project that she is going to be, I believe, on location for a number of weeks after this recording. She's hopping on a jet plane, so we have her now. She is the one, the only, one of my dear friends, Miss Roxy Stryer. Hello, Miss Stryer. Are we still
0: woo people? Woo, 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 woo. Oh yeah, Is that sure. cool anymore? I, no?
3: I All mean, right. COVID's back. Let's bring woo's back. Yeah, that's I'm, what down I'm for thinking.
0: i am just always been a woo girl. <laughs> now I don't know what's cool anymore. It's, just, <laughs> it's still strange. But woo, 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 I'm here. Uh, and I am so, so happy that you guys let me on for this episode. I can't even explain to you how much I want to talk about this today. I can't explain it. Like, This is a gift to me. This is like a a late birthday present to me.
2: (laughs) Hey, this is, you know, you you had a big birthday recently, so we wanted to spoil you. And as the world girl gives wooing a world, now we get to hear your thoughts first on Suicide Squad. So, Roxy, just quickly tell me if Rotten Tomatoes is right or wrong when it comes to Suicide Squad with that 26% rotten.
0: This is the... I can't, I can't even preface, I have to just get to it. This is the most wrong Rotten Tomatoes has ever been about any movie ever that ever existed. <laughs> I cannot believe how Rotten Rotten Tomatoes thinks that this movie is when it's incredible. I am such a fan of Suicide Squad because I lack any ability to, to care about anything other than did I enjoy myself. And oh my God, every time I watch this movie, I enjoy myself so much. It has, it's the least pretentious movie. It is so weird. It, at times, fine, doesn't make sense. It has a hodgepodge of Motley crew characters that are on some scale of meh to amazing. But together, everything (laughs) all combined. This movie is so much fun. And that's all I care about. It's all I care about. It is one of the most entertaining DC films, if not comic book films, ever. And all that, plus Harley, plus Will Smith. I mean, what what more were people wanting from this film? I don't understand. I don't get what movie people were watching. Twenty it is, Somebody pissed in somebody's cereal and they were not happy about this film, but not me. I had milk that day. Oh no. Um,
2: I'm, I'm glad your healthy. wheaties were kosher i mean roxy you take a look at this movie and we're going to get all the, the scene breakdown and what we loved about it what maybe we didn't love about it and uh, there's a lot to digest with the behind the scenes the making of this movie so we'll get to that a little bit later on in the show too so roxy i'm going to need your number what what number you think this movie should be but before we get to that i will turn it over to my esteemed co-host for a synopsis of suicide squad jacqueline coley What the hell is this movie about?
3: Yes, ladies and gentlemen, let's go back to 2016 and The Suicide Squad, because this is what we have here. We've got... David Ayer is bringing together a cast of characters that includes Deadshot, played by Will Smith, Harley Quinn, played by Margot Robbie, uh, Captain Boomerang, played by Jai Courtney, and Jay Hernandez playing the fire demon. I mean, these are the bad guys, as they like to say. And Viola Davis, as Amanda Waller, has put all of these cast of characters together and said, you guys are out there to go save the world. It's called Project X because she thinks hey, what if the next Superman is a bad guy? We may need some bad guys to help solve it. So they bring in the dirty dozen or half dozen in this case, I guess. They get to go save the world. And the person they're trying to battle in this is played by Cara Devine, and she plays Enchantress. She is an ancient being that is trying to take over the world with space lasers things that, you know, she's going to make a weapon to end the world. And they go save the world. There's lots of music, lots of music, a little bit of superhero stuff. And uh, the Joker pops up.
2: Yeah. Jacqueline, I I didn't hear that. Did you say that there's music in the movie?
3: Oh, my God. Yeah. It's amazingly, (laughs) you can barely tell that they have some musical cues. You got to look for it. Yeah. But you got. But if you listen hard, you can you can hear it. No, this movie this is a music video with superhero elements.
2: Okay, that that that's a very fair synopsis, and I f- I feel bad for any insurance agent in the greater city of Chicago because man, did that city get wrecked at the yeah. third act of this movie? And maybe the movie itself got a little wrecked by the third act. So we're gonna talk about all this, but first, hey, producer Lucy's here.
1: Hi, Lucy. Hello. I was engrossed in that synopsis took me a while to unmute myself. How's it going? How's it going um, everyone?
2: We, we're thrilled to be joined by you. Do you have f- thoughts on Suicide Squad? Are you excited about the new one?
1: I'm very excited about the new one. I love James Gunn who did Guardians and i I loved Guardians number one. So I'm curious to see, I'm a little nervous that he's just like redoing it for DC, but hopefully there's a fresh thing going on. But yeah, I love ensemble films. I'm very excited.
2: (laughs) This is certainly one of them. So 2016 Suicide Squad directed by David Ayer. Roxy, now we get to hear, you clearly think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong with your impassioned speech at the top of the show. What number on the tomato meter should Suicide Squad be? Are you going high? Are you going 80s? Are you going 90s?
0: This not only should be double and not only triple what the score is, but yeah, I put this at an actual 80. 8-0. 8-0. is it the best movie i've ever seen in my life you know that's in the 98 territory no but are we calling this a c movie in the 70s only if you're only if you hate life and fun and all the good things in our because you don't understand movies you don't understand you don't you don't want to enjoy yourself Eat your popcorn. Enjoy your movie. Thank you for noticing, Jacqueline, that this is a music video and a movie at the same time. <laughs> that's what I've wanted my whole life.
2: Music me. Okay.
0: Yes. Roxy's
2: got the Roxy gets it to a B minus, where if it was triple its score, it would have been seventy eight percent. That's like a high C, that's like a Mark Ellis college grade. Jacqueline Coley, what do you think this should be? Do you agree with our incredible guest?
3: Ten. Ten. Out of ten. Out of a (laughs) hundred.
2: This is going to be so much fun today.
3: (laughs) I'm really going to try. Like, and I give five for Will. Mm -hmm. I give, actually, you know what? I give four for Will because he had to show his face all the time. I give five for Harley Quinn and I give one for Jai Courtney. What did I do? What did I do to you, Jacqueline? (laughs) Nothing. I mean, look, I am not even like, we'll get into this about me and Suicide Squad in DC, but. It's it's going to be so interesting for me to break down with this because I've lost all emotion when it comes to this franchise, to these filmmakers, to this film. If you would have spoken to me back in 2017, 18, I would have had so much fury and anger at the disappointment that this film was for me. And now I can just look at it with mild amusement to be like, oh, I'm so sorry y'all had to make that and
2: made it, they did, but was it the version that the director that the stars thought they were getting when it was released? We get to talk about all of that stuff. I personally think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong on this. I think 26% is uh, too low. I I didn't love this movie. I actually agree with what the audience score of this movie is. So I think like that 55 to, I'll go 59%. I'll put it right there on the Spaceballs number where it is so, so, so close to being fresh. That's where I think this movie belongs because... I really loved a lot in this movie, but man, did once Enchantress shows up, I just lost everything that I was enjoying about that movie for the duration. And that's thereafter. pretty
3: early, Mark. That's pretty <laughs> well, early.
2: When she shows up and like we're actually battling her and we're not just having fun with our various music themes and introducing characters anymore. Okay. So we are going to talk about Suicide Squad in just a sec. But right now we have one of my favorite segments because it gives us a break and we turn it over to Tim Ryan, our expert review curation manager here at Rotten Tomatoes for Two Minutes with Tim.
4: Two Minutes with Tim. After Batman v Superman was criticized for being too grim, there were hopes that Suicide Squad would lighten things up a little bit within the DCEU. But the result, according to critics, was a mishmash with too many characters, too many wisecracks, and not enough coherent storytelling. It's a 26% on the Tomato Meter with 385 reviews, and it has a 59% audience score. So what did the critics have to say? In a rotten review, Todd McCarthy of The Hollywood Reporter wrote, A puzzlingly confused undertaking that never becomes as cool as it thinks it is, Suicide Squad assembles an all-star team of supervillains and then doesn't know what to do with them. However, in a fresh review, Tony Hicks of the San Jose Mercury News wrote, It will be interesting to see where DC takes these characters after the semi-delightful mess that is Suicide Squad. But for now, just enjoy the sloppy and wild ride. Rotten Tomatoes Critics Consensus reads, Suicide Squad boasts a talented cast and a little more humor than previous DCEU efforts, but they aren't enough to save the disappointing end result from a muddled plot, thinly written characters, and choppy directing. So that's Suicide Squad. And don't forget, Mark and Jacqueline are the bad guys. Wait, are you're the, you're the good guys. I'm confused. Right, let's move on.
2: We're... The bad guy. We're not the worst. And so that's why yeah. they got us out of prison and put that chip in us so that we can do a podcast every week because, again, we're not the worst. So let's kick it off. Let's get right into movie talk. Let's talk about, first of all, the trailer. Let's talk about the scenes that we love, the scenes that disappointed us, who the standout in the movie was, all that stuff coming up right now. Yeah, there was a lot of excitement for this movie and going back and watching the trailers, you notice a slightly different tone with each ensuing trailer. But Roxy, was this a movie that you had a lot of hype for like going in? Did did you know a lot about the property? Was this like you're pinning your summer movie hopes on this movie?
0: Yeah, absolutely. At the time I was hosting DC Movie News. So I was so in the DC world. It was like somebody would chip a tooth and we would talk about it for two hours during a show. So at this point, going into Suicide Squad, I was full blown in that world. And so the hype was real for me. And then I think like everybody else on the planet, after watching that trailer, the hype just got more real. People thought that this was going to be just the bee's knees An expression that I have not used since 1947. I guess I should have kept it there. Uh, People thought it was going to be amazing. People thought that this movie was going to be just so great. I don't know when other people got off that wagon. I just stayed on that train. Uh, But yeah, I was so, so excited about this. And we heard rumblings about what was going on uh, behind the scenes on set. And in the age of social media, we were getting tons of different posts about this. Definitely, definitely was going into this thinking, wow, I'm about to be blown away, but it had no pressure on it at the same time because we weren't getting Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman or Flash or Aquaman, you know, these characters that people have such attachments to. A lot of these characters were people we were seeing for the first time in live action. And so I thought that they were going to just be able to play and have fun.
1: Yeah, and
2: that was the big thing, Jacqueline. I, you were probably, like, working at Comic-Con, doing actual things, and I was just in Hall H, and David Ayer came on stage, and this is a few weeks before Suicide Squad comes out. And the big selling point of this movie was like, hey, Marvel, we, we know they're doing great things, but they don't have great villains. We have all these cool villains in one movie, and they're all going to team up. And so I was pretty excited to see what Suicide Squad was. I don't know what your hype level was, but is it what was it anywhere near the anticipation that Roxy had for this? Or were you already done by then?
3: No, I was so hyped for this movie. I remember following the casting news so intently. And the reason why I was so hyped is I might add what Warner Brothers has not been able to really do with their live action, I have to say that their animated features by and large, are absolutely incredible, and I've seen all of them. And there is this great animated feature about the Suicide Squad called Assault on Arkham. It had Deadshot, it had Harley Quinn. It's almost the exact same storyline of this one, but it was actually coherent and done well. And I thought, if nothing else, if they just refilm that with Will Smith and Margot Robbie, Like the biggest worry I had going into this movie was like Jai Courtney, who was like the guy that kept showing up in all these movies. And like, we didn't really know what to make of him. Like he was in the Divergent series and it was like, okay, there's a lot of Jai Courtney happening, but I don't really know why he's such a thing. Completely wrong with that. He was actually one of the better parts of this film. But yeah, I was that was the biggest worry. I was like, how can you mess it up with Will Smith and Margot Robbie? How? There's no way you could mess that up. Right. They found a way. So and I you was have so a new
2: Joker, and it's yeah. like, oh, well, and, and and Jared Leto, we know how method he goes, and yes. so there's just so much that we could get, and we're hearing about stuff on the set that we'll get into in behind-the-scenes talk, but I'm gonna be selfish right now, and I'm just gonna go ahead and jump into my favorite scene, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is the beginning, that music video portion that so many people were criticizing after they saw it. I thought it was so necessary because you have an introduction of a character and you have their own sort of theme music that is something from the pop culture lexicon, usually in the vein of rock, but occasionally they went out to different places and different genres of music to give you a sense of the character. And I loved it, A, because it's really fun to watch, like Roxy said, but it also I thought was crucial because we don't know these characters that well. At least I didn't. I didn't read Suicide Squad. I would barely heard of it before they announced the movie. Movie. And so I kind of needed some sort of attitude, which they use for music, to associate with these characters just so I could have some sort of working knowledge of who they were and what they were about. Enter,
4: tell me what to do. Enter, oh, 14, open the premiere. Stay back. She moves, fire up, all right? You gonna come down from there or what? Yeah, look at you.
2: So I thought the movie kicked off with a bang. How did y'all feel? Roxy, were you a fan of the way the movie kicked off like I was?
0: I'm so with you because I think that at an end of the movie, I don't like to be spoon-fed. But at the beginning of the movie, I kind of do. And this movie just took me like the baby that I am and fed me every single bite. Here are the bullets. Here's the sound for this character. There's a lot of new characters going on, Roxy. Can you keep them all in order? And I was sitting there eating that up. I was like, yes, thank you. Please explain it all to me. And they were doing it in a way that was fun and exciting. And I just feel like at that point, they really had the audience. And, and that was really fun for me because then the audience started to turn. But at that moment in the beginning, <laughs> everybody was still with them, or at least it felt that way. I don't know if Jacqueline's on that page, though. Jacqueline, fingers crossed.
3: No, no, I, I, I will admit that this movie definitely jumped the shark for me. But the beginning, the montage, let's get all the bad guys in place. That was done very, very well. That was a great character introductions for the most part. But I will say when the movie falls apart is when the character introductions fall apart. Because the minute you introduce what's his name, it's like, this is Slipknot, the guy that can climb anything. And I'm like, who the F is this guy? He's he's definitely a red shirt. Like, I know he is not making it to the end of this because I've never (laughs) heard of you. You barely made it into the trailer. What is going on? First of all, I also feel bad for that actor. I forget what his name is. I'll look it up in just a second, but he was like on the promotional tour and like part of the like big junket. And I'm like, how would you feel to be like, I'm in the movie for five minutes and people are asking me like hours worth of questions about this. I would feel so stupid. But the minute he shows up and then by the time we get to this is Katana, she's got my bet. That was when I was done. I was like, you know what? This is like, we're done with character introductions. She's just here because reasons. Like there's no point in having her. I was so over it. And it was like, that was when freaking Joel Kinnaman's character, Rick Flagg became Mr. Exposition. Like that's all he did for the rest of the movie was just tell us the things that we maybe didn't know about. Like get her heart, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my God. And, so yeah, the opening was great, but that that particular moment, like from Slipknot and Katana forward, I was like, this thing is a house of cards. And, and it was also, the music at that point became oppressive. Like the music that they had when they were like kind of getting ready and like Harley Quinn has the gratuitous sexual assault camera video thing that they do where she's wearing those booty shorts and they just pan up for reasons. That's when I was like, "Oh, the music is to hide the fact that nothing interesting is happening, really." And they need to get the audience excited, and so they spent like eighty million dollars on the music budget. I so,
2: started but to I, feel a little like that. Yeah, towards but, th- th- towards the end of the movie, I felt like it was it was leaning a little too hard into, "Hey, we we, we need because like I, I like a big bombastic opening. I'm a, I'm a Star Wars kid, so I want to see a huge, giant opening that shuts the audience up right away and gets us focused and locked in the movie." Suicide Squad achieved that. But, but yeah, Roxy, I I, I got to agree with on where like at some point in the movie, it's like now you got to be a movie. You, you know, you, yeah. you, you got to drop that facade. By the way, Adam Beach played Slipknot and yes. was totally underutilized, in my opinion, because if yeah. you see him in Flags of Our Fathers, he is yeah. tremendous. And Karen Fukuhara is Katana. And so I would have liked to have seen more of them. But again, we got a lot of characters. We got to sort through this stuff. We got to give Will Smith and Margot Robbie their screen time. I totally get that. The, the, the person, though, that really stands out in this movie to me is Viola Davis it, yeah. as Amanda Waller because there's very few performers that could get me to buy into what we're doing here. we're gonna bail all these people out of jail, and yeah, we're gonna keep an eye on them, we're gonna keep a watch on them, we can chip them any and and bring them back at any time, but she just sold me so hard that this is a good idea, that this is what needs to happen, and Mm -hmm. I thought she was far and away the best character in the entire movie, and that's coming from a guy who worships the ground that Will Smith walks on. So yeah. Amanda Waller gets it for me. Roxy, if you had to pick one scene or one standout, or both, what is it, if you had to tell somebody, hey, this is the one scene and the one character that I really loved the most from Suicide Squad, what are you going with?
0: Oh, I have all of those things, Mark. I have I have 15 <laughs> scenes and all the characters, <laughs> not all the characters, Enchantress can fight dust. Uh, I, I will say that Viola's a great pick. And I think if your DC heart beats as hard as mine does and you're as nerdy as I do, you watch all the CW TV shows at the time. And what had happened in the CW shows was that they ripped Amanda Waller right from the shows and told us you actually can't have her anymore uh, because the movies are going to take Amanda Waller. So the TV fans were like, but it's Amanda Waller. How are you going to not have her in the DC shows? Where is she going to go? So the the expectations going into Suicide Squad, I was like, she better bring it. Uh, and uh, jokes on me, has Viola ever not brought it in her entire life? Of course she did. So that's a really good pick. On top of her, I definitely think that it's the most basic answer I can give, but Harley, Harley. I think that if you watch this movie and you're a Harley Quinn fan, uh, and I and I've been a Harley fan for long before this movie and will be long after this movie. I was really excited by a lot of the choices they made. Jacqueline, you referenced the pan up. For some reason, all the Harley stuff, even the sexualized stuff, it just worked for me. It feels like her character. It felt true to what I have always off the page thought of Harley to be or in uh, the animated series, especially in Harley Quinn's own animated series, which took place obviously after this. I think that they did her justice. She had a lot of really great one liners and her dynamic with Will Smith was really what kept this movie going for me in terms of favorite scenes. The bar scene. I know that that's the least action packed scene, but I love that. I liked us taking a, a breather for one second and then just kind of being like, "Where where are we at? Where's everybody's heads at? What's going on? Okay, let's readjust and let's move forward. i had letters from my daughter the whole time.
4: I'm gonna get you there, and you're gonna end this. I'm gonna carry your ass if I have to. This so shit is gonna be like a chapter in the Bible. Everybody's gonna know what we did. My daughter is gonna know that her daddy is not a piece of shit
0: unfortunately, after that is where I think a lot of people really jumped off of the movie. But in that scene, I feel like they captivated us and we are really paying attention to them
2: yeah, it, that that scene was so weird to think about in retrospect, Jacqueline, because I love that bar scene too. You just get to actually watch them connect as humans and you really could feel the camaraderie, however, funhouse mirror like it it had been forged it it felt real in that moment and we were gearing up to go do this battle against Enchantress but that battle just I thought was so poorly executed from start to finish it totally just took me I just didn't care about it. it's like I cared so much about them at the bar scene and then I didn't care about anybody for the rest of the movie I just want to get the hell out of the theater how does that change happen so quick <laughs>
3: I mean, I think it happens when you write the script in six weeks. I mean, look, like uh, we'll get into this in the behind the scenes. But to David Ayer's defense, I don't feel that this movie, this movie was sold on Will Smith, Margot Robbie, jared leto viola davis and they were just like we have put together such a great cast we've got to get this in theaters as quickly as possible and so they just never gave beats for these characters and it and what's interesting though of it too is that the only time the characters feel lived and real is when they're not fighting all of the stuff that involves the fight is where it falls apart when you have will smith with his daughter that feels real. Even Harley Quinn and the Joker falling in love, those feel real. And it just seems like whenever it was separated from the Amanda Waller being devious, you know, just putting the cast of folks together, all of that felt real and lived in, but they could not translate that to these people then saving the world, which I'm like, I get it's a hard needle to thread because they're anti-heroes, but I just feel it could have been just executed in, a, in an entirely different way. I will say this though, as far as scenes that I do like um, and things that I do like, I don't hate Jared Leto's Joker. And I will tell you why. I know a lot of people have a lot of issues with Jared Leto's, joke, Joker, Jared Leto's Joker. The Joker is a character that is very difficult to reinvent. And one of the things that happened is Heath Ledger had already done the Joker as real as you can get it and have it still play true to the character. Like if you met the Joker, he's not going to be Jack Nicholson from the Tim Burton thing. That is more cartoonish in a lot of ways, you know what I'm saying? Or Romeo from like the 1960s. If you had a modern day Joker, he's going to be exactly kind of what Nolan showed in that trilogy. So to really reinvent it, you gotta take some liberties. And I liked that they took the swing for the fences on that character because he's a very hard character, I think, to reinvent. So I appreciate that they took a swing for the fences. Do I agree with everything, like the damaged tattoo across his face? Maybe not, but I, I do like, that like he's the- like
2: this underground crime lord sort yeah! of thing. I-, I thought that was a cool angle to sort of separate it from the Joker incarnations that we had gotten leading up to that because you had to you had to go away from yeah! that Heath Ledger Joker and create some sort of distance. I'm curious for you on your thoughts, Roxy, on on Joker being in the movie because there, there's apparently so much more that we could have seen from Joker that was cut out do you think Joker got enough screen time in the movie because it didn't take away from the actual squad would you have liked to have seen less Joker more Joker where did you stand on it
0: I'm with Jacqueline in the sense that I'm one of the people in the minority who actually didn't dislike this Joker. There wasn't enough for me to rave about him, so I can't sit here and say he was an amazing Joker. But there also wasn't enough for me to rag on him. I mm. thought that he kind of understood the assignment and yeah. and was just following. What What are you going to do if you do have damage written on your forehead and your hair is green? And you are throwing Harley into the vat of acid, and that is your dialogue. And the amount of people who blame Jared Leto for not liking his Joker, I don't think understand how movie making works. Yeah, because he didn't he didn't write it, and he yeah. didn't costume design himself, and he didn't. He just I I thought his performance was totally fine. Yeah, uh, and and he just was kind of living in what was created around him. I also liked some of the. Joker Harley stuff mostly because Margot Robbie is so good that you felt for her you you're watching an extremely toxic relationship which is the at the core of Joker and Harley what exists and you believe what's going on because of Margot Robbie's reactions and facial expressions and movements and so i think that that stuff kind of worked in large part because of her but also I thought he was fine. Would I have liked to see more in a different story in this story? I don't know that it would have made much more sense to have Joker in there a ton more.
3: Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm on let that me page just, too.
0: Let me just yeah. say this though too,
3: just because I don't want any of the the Joaquin Phoenix Joker heads to come for me. I am separating <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix's Joker from that because as much as that film is quote unquote a Joker movie, it is the king of comedy more than that like i feel like that is definitely a movie where they took the plot points from something else and just put a skin of superhero on top of it like God, if you a, have you, you used know, that before that's no really i have not i've not but that's I what it is that. so Let's yeah go. so like i just want to say that it's not that it's bad i'm not like trying to criticize that portrayal but it is it is in the comics and it borrows obviously a lot from the comics but it borrows a lot more from Martin Scorsese. It and also borrows... hadn't happened yet. Yeah, exactly. It was after this. Yes, and it was after this but I'm just saying in general like, you know, people compared the fact that, you know, Heath Ledger was able to do this Joker and then Joaquin Phoenix was able to make another very realistic Joker. Joaquin Phoenix made another realistic Travis Bickle who just happened to laugh.
2: Uh, absolutely, yeah. And, and, and I actually feel like Jared Leto's Joker, it didn't move me one way or another. I thought... Yeah. It was the proper amount of screen time. So I know he put a lot into the performance. Sorry, more of it didn't get in the movie. I thought that's what we needed from Joker because the thing I did, I like having Joker in there, not the least of which of reasons is that we got to see one sequence with Batman quickly in it, which yeah. was awesome. Yeah. And the, But but I, I don't want more Joker in the movie because I wanted this to be Harley Quinn's grand coming out party. And I didn't want that sullied by this clearly damaged, pun intended relationship that she has. With Joker, So I wanted it to be her movie and her success, less about that relationship. We want to get in that relationship, make that movie. But that's not what I saw Suicide Squad as being. So I thought the Joker was properly utilized. And now I get to ask my favorite question, but it's also hard because I really like Roxy. Roxy, you love this movie. You're a huge fan. It was so much fun. Is there a least favorite character that you're like, eh, it, it didn't really work for me?
0: Yeah, one hundred percent, and it's Enchantress. That was that was a bummer. Okay. Yeah. yeah, the the best part about Enchantress was the last five years in which I got to make fun of the Enchantress dance. Like that is the best <laughs> thing that happened about Enchantress. Yeah, I, I, to me, ooh, I I hate to just drag somebody, but Cara Delevingne is a model, and is in came up as a model and. I don't think that this is a hundred percent her fault because also the way that it was written and the design and just so much riding on her. But when you are when you have people like Viola Davis and Will Smith and even Bargo Robbie at this point, like th- that are more vets and you are next to those people and this is not where you are trained, it just showed. Mm-hmm. and it showed the entire movie uh, even when she is, What's her name? June. June yeah. before oh, she's enchantress, Yeah. 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 Even, even, and, and both sides. I was like, "Ooh, girl, this is just not working. No part yeah. of it's working. And I think that in this film, in a lot of comic book movies, a lot of comic book movies suffer because the villain is lacking. Uh, that's kind of why I'm confused on why this movie gets as much heat as it does, because people seem to overlook that in other comic book movies, but not this one. But in this movie, for sure, the villain is lacking. and I think because of that, the third act is very obviously the weakest.
2: Very yeah. weird like Axl Rose sort of dance that she's doing towards the end. Yeah. and it's just none of that worked. I, and I actually like Cara Delevingne. I thought she was good in that uh, that Paper Towns movie. she was pretty good in that. So
3: yeah, I, I mean, that's I, what I, gave I, us that's what gave us the string of her doing big budgets because let me give you what her run was right after Paper Towns. Pan, Suicide Squad, and Valerian, The City of Damn. a Thousand Planets. Okay. Girl had a rough run there. I have to give yeah. her this.
2: <laughs> not, not her fault. I mean, not it's her not her fault, fault that, that, that they paid $900 billion dollars to make Valerian. But, yeah. you know, it, that, that. I agree with Roxy. I, I thought she, she was the weakest part of the movie. That character was, for me, and that that end fight scene when we're in some sort of underground Uh, The you know system and and we're just we just destroyed all Chicago and it just should have been this really cool epic climax and I just felt nothing is is, do you have a different pick Jacqueline for like your least favorite character the character that you just could have kicked right out of the movie
3: I mean there's like it's hard like uh, Kinnerman, I like him I think he's great character uh, actor um, not but his like Rick Flag why are you there what is Scott Eastman uh eastwood doing in this like he looked like he was so superfluous to everything that that he was about um yeah i, I think if we're gonna say cringiest character yeah rick flag and katana why are you here mm-hmm. um she, uh, roxy took the best one with enchantress so I, I will say that that is the one that sticks out the most um, but it's not even cringy. They're just like, they're not good. I will say this though, too. Um, I think he may be a friend of yours cause he's a comedian, but Ike, the guy that plays, um, the guard, give him some awards because that was some great performing. He absolutely added a level of comedy to this that didn't feel cringy. Whereas in some of the other cringier aspects did I'll give, I'll give dialogue, the cringy. That's what I will give you. We're some sort of suicide squad. I don't know if you know this, but we're the bad guys. Like, that is what I give the cringy factor. So no one actor, definitely that that dialogue.
2: Uh, Favorites for me, obviously Viola Davis and, and Will Smith. But what surprised me is that I found Joel Kinnaman and Jai Courtney's Characters, I, Those guys just never really like popped for me on screen prior to this movie. So I wasn't expecting a lot from them, but I actually really dug both their characters. And I saw some personality there and I'm like, oh, we can do this. We, can, Joel, Jai, we can do this. So I was pleasantly surprised by them. Again, it just boils down to that. The third act completely falling apart in such a way that I can't even get this this movie to fresh. And now we have the new Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad. Will it win an Oscar? Like the 2016 one <laughs> did for best uh, makeup and hairstyling, I believe, is what it took uh, in. Also,
3: give it up for the man from Ove. And I think it was, uh, who, was the other, who was the other Oscar nominated for hair and makeup that year? Like, it sucks for you guys to lose that year. Don't you feel? Like, if you if were
2: like- If you take like, an L to Suicide Squad at the I Oscars, mean, seriously, Roxy, that's gotta though, hurt a little bit. That's
0: gotta hurt. The reason I don't feel that is because of all the information we hear about, like, Killer Croc having sitting in the chair for five hours a day before (laughs) he starts shooting, you know? Yep, yep. If you're losing to somebody who doesn't care and you're there for 20 minutes and it's just because it's a a big movie, a franchise movie, that's one thing. But of all of the elements of this movie, I think that that was a really strong one. They really gave a crap about that. The way this looked and sounded, they clearly cared about. Now, actual story... I I hear some of your points, some of your points.
3: I've remembered who it was. It's Star Trek Beyond. If you're not telling me Kroll with Idris Elba or what's her name? The dancer girl, I can't think of her name. Sophia Boutrell, when she was the white girl with the black stripes. Yeah, Yeah, Boutella. That could have beat this. I'm sorry, Killer Croc is dope, but Idris Elba became an alien to a human over the course of two and a half hours.
2: Hey, I just it, you think about Adewale in as Killer Croc in that makeup yeah. chair and you just got to w- feel for that poor guy where it's like, dude, a couple of years ago you were in Hawaii filming Lost, just living yeah. it up. And now you're in a crocodile suit on some godforsaken set with a movie that is going to be very... Uh, controversial when it comes out as far as how people feel about it. And that's really our thoughts on Suicide Squad, the movie itself. So I want to get into the behind the scenes. I want to talk about the David Ayer and how he has sort of changed his tune. Jared Leto's very, very method acting. And if we are excited about James Gunn's new version of the Suicide Squad, we're going to do all that and more right now with behind the scenes. David Ayer came out on that stage at Comic-Con and he gave, it was like a pep talk to 6,000 people. And it wasn't, it it didn't feel desperate, like, hey, we really need to sell this movie. It was like we were all in a locker room and I was ready to run through a brick wall for that guy because he was just talking about how excited he is and and he makes gritty, dirty movies. I mean, this guy did End of Watch. This guy started his career in Hollywood as a screenwriter for U571. I mean, he knows how to do good, great work. And, and so I think that that was another thing that just went to that anticipation of it. But now you have all of this stuff where he was playing the good soldier up until the movie's release. But Roxy, the director himself, just feels like the studio completely raked his movie over the coals, did not in, in any way, shape or form release the cut that he wanted. And now everybody, because they saw Snyder's cut of The Justice League, now they want to see the Ayer cut of Suicide Squad, what would the Ayer cut do for you? Do you still hold out hope? Is, is there any part of you that says this movie could have been better? Or do you think that the studio sort of taking it from David Ayer's grip made it the best possible movie?
0: Yeah, I don't feel good about loving something that the creator doesn't love. I, I That does hurt my soul a little bit. But I believe that if this had been better received by the audience, I don't think we would have ever heard from Ayer. That's kind yeah. of how these things go. Yeah. We never nobody sh-
3: talks about the director's cut when the studio made it better,
0: right? So, hundred <laughs> percent that. And when things have a seventy or above on Rotten Tomatoes and the audience is really happy with it, we never hear a director come out and say, "But they didn't do what I wanted them to do." The directors kind of just say, "Like, oh, okay, you guys liked it." I think the air mostly has spoken up because this got bashed, Uh, Mm. not and not as much by the audience. And remembering that this made three quarters of a billion dollars. It's not like this movie didn't bring in way more money than the studio could have expected on a Suicide Squad film with characters that we had never seen before. So in that sense, he did his job. But I I feel bad that he didn't get to show us what he wanted to see. I think that I at at first when we had heard about release the Snyder Cut, I was like, "Mm, how much could that really help? Spoiler alert, it really effing helped. So (laughs) you never know. You don't know what these things. Do I want to see the air cut? In my heart of hearts, yeah, I do. I do. I'm just kind of a curious person. I don't think that this should be the trend these days where every time something doesn't do well, we release the blank cut. But the fact that David Ayer has been campaigning for this and there now it kind of doesn't really even matter with the future of it. I'm interested. I'm curious. I think
2: sometimes it it is easier just to say, hey, this is what I would have done and actually not have it come out because Apparently, I mean, he was making a much darker movie th- than yeah. what we got. And and I don't think that there was as much going to be as much humor and probably not as much of a music video feel. And so if he makes an even darker, grittier sort of movie might be interesting. And maybe it, it pays off in the third act better than it did with Enchantress. The way that they went with that, I, I think sometimes it is just best to let sleeping dogs lie, especially when you have the Suicide Squad. Coming out, but one of the interesting things about him as a director is that he has some very, like, sort of odd things that, according to the cast, really helped them bond making this movie. I mean, some of the cast, like, like they would share pers- very personal stories about them, like how they became the person that they are, and then that was incorporated into it. And so, like, when Roxy is talking about how powerful that bar scene is, I think a lot of that is due to David Ayer and the, the bonding techniques that he had with the cast leading up to. Scenes like that. There's a couple of cast members that got tattoos to, to solidify that, that they're in that they're in the squad. Yeah. And then, Jacqueline, that also lends itself to, well, some actors prepare differently than others. And yeah. at Jared Leto, uh, man, he uh, he caused some shenanigans on set, didn't he?
3: look i'm not gonna look everyone has their process but i will tell you this there's not a lot of poc method actors because you know what you call a poc method actor unemployed there is a privilege to be the type of person who sends a rat to Margot Robbie or use condoms or whatever thing else that he's like sent to the cast members or like not speaking to them as Jared. He He required people on set to refer to him as Joker. Like all of these things, like I get it especially when you look at some of the method actors who have used that process to achieve incredible things on screen, I'm not trying to dis- dismiss anybody's process, but I'm just saying you have to operate from a level of privilege to be allowed to do the shenanigans that these people were allowed to do in the pursuit of their art. That Jack, and I'm totally with you. I think excellent in, point.
0: in 2021, I actually kind of don't think it would have flown. Yeah, uh, I think that this this came one or two years. It it, it like just slid in. He just got by, uh, yeah. and I I don't know that it would have been the same. Obviously, it ended up being bizarre too because if we were talking about this, like he's the greatest Joker of all time, the conversation around it might be different. But because people didn't really love his Joker, and then they're finding out he's sending the sticky magazines, it's like. Ugh. Yeah, your, your method acting didn't necessarily translate on screen. So now you're just sending sticky magazines.
2: Yeah, I'm yeah. curious for your take on that, too, Roxy, because you're about to go on set to, to, to shoot a movie for a few weeks, which is very exciting. Would it be less or more exciting if somebody who's playing a villain in your movie sent you a rat And to her credit, Margot Robbie had fun with it. Margot Robbie, it was a live rat, and she kept the rat alive. She used it as a pet. She got, like, a wheel for it and stuff, so she had Mm -hmm. a pet rat while she's making the movie. But, like, if, if that's making you get in character, is that at the expense of the other actors? There's a rehearsal room story where a bunch of them are rehearsing, and then he has a henchman drop off a dead hog. And just here he goes from Joker. And it's like, okay, I'm glad you're getting into character. But Roxy, wouldn't that throw any of us off our game?
0: I think the dead animals would not throw me off if I'm Harley, because I think that kind of would help me get into character in some ways. But (laughs) but the used condoms. I think that that is where that's where my personal line would be drawn. That's your I, line. I'm not okay. trying to I'm not trying to get those condoms in my DMs and certainly not on my doorstep.
1: Yeah.
3: Also, I might add, though, to on the whole uh, Joker thing. One person who he did not do anything to was Viola Davis. Like this was like she actually spoke to the presser. She was like, nah, he he didn't bring any of that smoke near me, like literally. And I was like. Mm-hmm. That's because you're Viola Davis. And let's be honest, even Jared Leto probably knows better than to be like, you know what I mean? Like, like he didn't he didn't play that game with her at all. Um, Also, when we were talking about the director cut, let's be honest, though, the first director who made the case for like, I didn't get to make my movie like hardcore in the sort of modern superhero age was actually Josh Trank. With his Fantastic right. Four, which he actually yeah. reviewed on Letterbox and like tweeted the opening <laughs> weekend, like I hope you guys will eventually get to see the movie I did. Which I also have to say, the directors that are able to do that, you're operating from a place of privilege. Mm-hmm. Like there, not a lot of other directors could say those things and still get a job and, and still
2: work, right? And
3: still work. Like I just feel like people are not appreciating the fact that. Not everybody is allowed to tell their truth and not be punished for it.
2: Well, it's it. it, sometimes it does come full circle in Hollywood. And that's certainly the case with James Gunn getting to now have this big comic book movie yet again in a very different way than maybe he thought his career was was going to go five years ago. And he was unceremoniously fired from Guardians of the Galaxy three for old tweets that surfaced and Now he's back doing this Suicide Squad movie. And I will say, look, the guy knocked Guardians of the Galaxy out of the park. He's got, in my opinion, a great sense of humor on screen. And I think that this movie has a lot of potential in his hands with this cast, some of whom is returning from Suicide Squad 2016. You have Margot Robbie back. I believe Joel Kinnaman and Jai Courtney are back. Viola Davis is back as Amanda Waller. And so there is some, some familiarity with this movie. Are we excited about it? Start with you, Roxy, and do you like that they're bringing some of the characters back from David Ayer's Suicide Squad?
0: So I've seen this, and uh, I oh, you have. I've seen this, and okay. Uh, so am I excited about it? Ah, that's what. I, that's my. It that sounded say. good. It sounded good. No, here's what. Here's what I'm gonna say. I just talked to you guys for an hour about a movie that I love. So are you going to take my advice on how I feel about this movie? I love this movie. Obviously, I love this movie. (laughs) Did you think I wasn't going to like the the Suicide Squad in what world? It was freaking awesome.
2: Okay, what's the biggest difference then between Suicide Squad 2016 and the Suicide Squad 2021? What's the one thing that you're like, oh, that is very different? Is it a tone? Is it a flow? Is it less music? What what is the, the big difference?
0: I think that they definitely course corrected on this one, especially story-wise. The, mm, okay. The weakest part of the of Suicide Squad was what is the story arc. the mm. And that's very strong in this next one. So I think that the people, and, and the villain, and the, the main villain as well, I think that this was very not similar to the first one in a lot of ways. In tone it is a little more similar just because the suicide squad is always going to be a motley crew of characters that we are somewhere on the anti-hero kind mm. of hero, kind of villain spectrum. So if you, I can't imagine anybody liking suicide squad and not liking the suicide squad. I'm curious for all the people who didn't like suicide squad, how they're going to feel. Although from what we're seeing based on Twitter verse, this movie is getting thumbs up across the board from everybody. So, so far. I
2: did see a lot of so that. So
0: far. Let's How see, you what the, see, you see what
2: Jacqueline, the... Jacqueline, are, are we going to see this opening night? Are, are we excited?
3: Uh, it's going to be on HBO Max, right? Yeah. I, I may. Are uh, you going to
0: wait? Jacqueline, what play
3: happened? On, look, okay, like, I don't think I really even told the full story. Suicide Squad broke up me in D.C., me and DC, I, the very first comic book I purchased was Death in the Family because I went to my second grade class and somebody told me that Robin was dead because I used to come home every <laughs> single day and watch Batman, the animated series. <laughs> and this dude in my class, his name was Nick. He was an artist. And I was like, oh my God, I love me some Batman and Robin and this and da And he was like, yeah, you know Robin's dead, right? Like that kid that tells you Santa Claus yep. doesn't exist. Yep. And so my love <laughs> of Batman and DC has like, completely uh. gone on through then. And it was like, when, when Burton did his, it was like young love. And then when we got to stupid Robin, uh, Batman and Robin, it was like, oh, he cheated on me. Uh, this is not good. But then we got Christopher Nolan's arc and it was like, oh my God, we're back and we're back in love. And then this movie was like, he cheated with my sister. I was done. I was done with this franchise. I was done with their live actions. I will stick on the animated form. So, no, this movie broke me. And so I just cannot put any more emotional investment into these characters because they have, they have hurt me too many times.
0: I think wow, we need to get Nick is... on the phone and see what he thinks yeah. about this one. You should call him and tell him. But he was in Mrs. Carrillo's class at a... Uh, Oh,
3: God, Club Estates in Corpus Christi, Texas. And he told me that Robin was dead. And I literally was
0: like, you've broken my soul. I'm not a fan of this Nick kid. You don't do that to another kid. (laughs) Don't tweet spoilers at him from every movie ever. (laughs) Do you know this person's dead? How about this person? (laughs)
3: Yeah.
2: Hey, Nick, did you see The Sixth Sense? I got a surprise for you.
3: I mean, but it it made me go to a comic book store for the first time.
2: Yeah, I, I remember kids telling me that, that Superman was going to die. That's uh, that's that, that's me dating myself. Uh, Lucy, let's let's wrap this up with you as well. I mean, we have James Gunn doing the Suicide Squad. I know I asked you at the top of the show, are you going with me to see it? Because I want to see this movie in a theater. I, yes. I, I I think that that even though I was disappointed by the first one, I am curious to see what this one does differently. Roxy has sold me that it does enough different things to give it a clean slate in my mind. So Jacqueline's going to watch it on the small screen, which I've been to Jacqueline's place. She has a giant TV. She's going to have a great time. (laughs) I want to see it on the big on the biggest screen possible. So I think I'm going to the movies.
1: I'm going with you. I'll buy I'll buy I'll smuggle the treats in.
2: Don't know, um, no. I know you're a mom, and I know that that's like a mom thing to do. <laughs> but no, I want to wait in line, happily do so, and I will. If you want to sneak candy, and that's fine. Yeah. I am buying a a hot, fresh tub of popcorn at the theater.
1: Yes, delicious. I'm super excited to see the shark character. Uh, yeah. pl- is he voiced by Sly Stallone, Sylvester? Mm-hmm. Is that a spoiler? Oh my god! Sylvester
2: Stallone does the I voice of. <laughs> Now, now yeah, you got to see the movie to figure out how to pronounce it. I love sharks.
1: It. It's going to be John good.
2: Cena, Idris Elba. Sharks and Idris Elba. I mean, what, what more do you want out of this movie? Um, That's all I w- want. What's, what's going to be enjoyable for uh, for us here on the show is that Roxy brought up the term Motley Crew a number of times. I did listen to Kickstart My Heart at my workout at 5 a.m. this morning. Whoa. Because they get us up early here at Rotten Tomatoes. I had to work out extra early. That leads in to kind of... A trivia question about another rock star that we're going to get to in just a sec. But right now, Mr. Brian Perez, our esteemed engineer, it's time for mailbag. We love when our Ketchup crew emails us. Y'all can email us anytime. RT is wrong at Rotten Tomatoes.com. That's RT is wrong at Rotten Tomatoes.com. And this is from esteemed Ketchup crew member McKenna Callahan. And. The movie in question is Memoirs of a Geisha. She says, hi, friends. I've honestly been pissed about this for years. I know that Memoirs of a Geisha wasn't perfectly executed, with the biggest gripe for most people being the casting controversy. However, the film is absolutely beautiful, Oscar-winning cinematography, and so well-performed. Gong Li is a goddess. It should not have a 35% rating on the tomato meter, there are much shittier movies that have higher ratings, even some you've already covered on the podcast. I can go deeper into my reasoning if you're interested, but I wanted to make sure this was on your radar. Thanks. No, thank you, Mechanic Callahan. That was a, a great and impassioned, and you made me say a swear, so a nickel goes in the jar, but it was worth it because you're clearly in love with Memoirs of a Geisha. I've never seen this movie. My history with this movie is limited to... King Kong was out at the same time, and I remember talking to my brother on the phone because him and his then-girlfriend, who's now his wife, were going to the movies, and he said that they went to go see Memoirs of a Geisha. And I'm like, Robbie, you got to take control of this relationship. King Kong is is at the movies, and you're going to see Memoirs of Robbie, it's King Kong! So I was mad at my brother for giving in to his wife's wishes, and clearly it worked out for him okay. Anybody care about Memoirs of a Geisha? Anybody have feelings?
3: I mean... I just remember the controversy with Madonna wanting to play that character. I remember very little about that movie. No, so I think this is, like, legit, unless my brain is playing tricks on me. Madonna lobbied, like, very heavily to play the lead character in Memoirs of a Geisha Mm. and then actually shot a music video. Like, her, like, kimono look that she did in one of her music videos was essentially her... So that is like the most interesting thing I can think about that one because I barely remember that movie. But
0: I would talk about it. ScarJo was so excited by that. She did the same thing for the rest of her career. <laughs> uh, oh! I, I, have, I have so little. I know I saw this when I was in high school. I have so little memory of this one way or another that it must not have n- neither moved me nor... Upset me. I think that' it, worth a rewatch. Uh, and if y'all want to talk about it, then that then hello, here I am. I would love to rewatch this. Rob Marshall directed Memoirs of a Geisha. What he did? What what yeah. was that about?
2: I'll check it oh out.
3: Oh my god! I well,
2: was, uh, here, look. I'm seeing. I'm I'm at my brother's place right now. I will make a deal with my brother. He has to watch Peter Jackson's King Kong, and I'll put on Memoirs of a Geisha. My movie's going to be finished first. I know that my movie's ending before. Peter Jackson's King Kong in. King,
3: mm, Peter Jackson's King Kong is actually a pretty good movie, though. I will yep. say this. It is a yeah. pretty good movie. It got it got a bad rap. It did. It's long. But it's, yeah.
2: it's very, very good. And speaking of good movies, somebody on this show today is going to go make a great one. We have full confidence in her. That is the one, the only Roxy Stryer. Roxy, it was a delight. Tell us how much you can about this upcoming film project. I, You and I have been friends for a long time, and I am just... So excited to see hard work pay off!
0: Woo 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 woo! See, she brought it back. Uh, I'm <laughs> gonna be in a movie. I'm really excited about this. We are going to film on location for the next several weeks. It's. Uh, I feel confident talking about it because it's on my IMDb. So I feel like that means that I'm allowed to say it's yep. called Always Lola. I'm Lola, uh, and so I. You're the title of the movie. Yeah. I am the wow. Mark. I've been waiting my whole life to say this. I am the titular character. Damn the right you are. Car- and I have to say, I first read this script three years ago, and it has my whole heart. It's really it. It is a beautiful indie um letter. I feel like it's a love letter um from the writer to a to a friend and it is it's really good it's really really effing good so i'm more than excited to do it Uh, i'm certainly not sleeping these days in preparation and when i come back here afterwards i'll let you guys know how it went
2: okay top three animals live or dead that you want jacqueline and i to send you while you're on set to help us get into character
0: if you could find a unicorn then you can (laughs) then you can kill it and send it to me.
2: (laughs) Wow. Okay, we're killing unicorns here on this show. Um, Before we let you get out of here, Roxy, do you have a good streaming recommendation for the kids at home? I know you're a huge TV fan, you're a TV expert, so if you want to go in that world, that is totally cool.
0: So I'm going to tell you guys about a show that I honestly am not sure if you've ever heard of. This is something that I binged about a year ago, and in that time, I feel like nobody's listened to me and I need, I need somebody to listen to me. So here is, here's the, the show it's called how to sell drugs online fast. That is a real title of the show. It's on Netflix. It's dubbed. I think that it was a, I think that it was a German show and it's dubbed here. Now uh, I watched the dub version because I can't, it's, it, they move really fast because we're talking about drugs. So I, I needed to not just have subtitles because it's so, it's so fast. But I hear that it's even better if you can do the subtitle version. This show is awesome. I don't know why it's not more talked about. It's one of those Netflix things that got totally buried. And the reason I'm bringing it up today is because it's not the same as Suicide Squad at all. But if you like things that are like, what the F is happening right now? What is going on here? This is definitely that show it has three seasons, so there's enough for you to really chew on. And it's, it's, re- it's really, really, really stellar. It, the acting is incredible. The storyline is bonkers. It's about somebody who needs to make money and l- start selling drugs online fast. And it, just everything that happens, is, it's an awesome show. I, I need Netflix to promote it more because That's somebody please one. listen to me. Okay. I have no one to yeah. talk to about it. And it's based on a real story.
3: That's based on an actual real story. story. Yeah, like this dude literally did become one of the most prolific drug dealers online for life. Wait, Jacqueline, are you watching? No, I watched the documentary Mm. that eventually inspired that show. So I didn't watch the show, but I watched the doc that um, inspired it. And yeah, yeah. It's wild.
2: Everybody needs a dream out there. So have at it, kids. All right, I did promise a, a quick trivia question about a rock star. So David Ayer's very first screenwriting credit is U-571, the submarine movie. Roxy, I know you hate, hate, hate when I ask you trivia, so I'm (sighs) going to give you an easy phone of Jacqueline if you need to. Okay. But what famous rock star plays one of the crew of the submarine who unceremoniously gets his face blown off about halfway into the movie? In U-571? Yeah, U-571, huge, huge rock star. Is
0: that the McConaughey thing?
2: Uh, McConaughey is in it, yes, sir.
0: What year are we talking, Mark?
2: Mid-90s, like late 90, 96, 97. What huge rock star. Huge rock star.
3: I mean, he was living. On a prayer?
2: Yes, yes, yes. Roxy so Stryer. who's the rock
0: star? It's, it's, it's Bon John Bon John? Yeah.
2: John Bon Jovi. Close enough. We can give you credit. What do you for mean close getting... enough?
0: I'm nicknaming you get, you got... my man.
2: Close God. enough, wow. John. Bon Jovi I was gonna guess Mick Jagger, in...
0: so I was really far off.
2: He was mm-hmm. great in Wait, Free Jack.
0: What happens to Bon jo- John bon Jovi? He gets his face uh, blown off,
3: yeah. I think they he all the, die.
2: Yeah, he meets like the wrong end of like a cannonball, or so it's, it, it's not pretty. So he's been in Young Guns 2 where he eats it, and he also eats it in U571. I think he survived uh, Romeo's bleeding though. so good, or not Romeo's Bleed. Ah, we'll, we'll figure it out in the next episode of the show. we got to wrap things up, but Roxy, it has been so great having you here. Um, thank you again so much. Good luck on set. We know you're going to crush it, and uh, you have our full support. Cannot wait to check out the movie where you play the titular character. As for us here on the show, Jacqueline, we always love when folks email us, as we said. You can subscribe to this show, rate, review, do all those things wherever you enjoy listening to this podcast. Thanks for watching us on any one of our platforms. And how about it for Grandpa's Jersey Devil? Pretty cool look, huh? Thank you to everybody for listening to the show, for watching the show. Thanks to the hardworking team here at Rotten Tomatoes for making us sound and look good every week. That would be engineer Brian Perez, Producer Lucy, our esteemed guest, Roxy Stryer. Thanks for being on the show while, you know, you're, you're still not giving an Oscar acceptance. If you want to mention us in the Oscar acceptance speech, you're more than welcome to. Mm, Yes. We will accept that. That is Roxy. My co-host, Jacqueline Coley. I'm just Mark Ellis. Thanks for listening. And we'll tune in to y'all when you tune into us next week.
1: One, two, three,
2: four.